We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for today. I had on the program one of the best super heavyweights in the world right now, coming off of a huge performance where he totaled 1,000 kilos. And, of course, he is an FChat original. An FChat episode, I had Jesus Arevarez on the show, and he gave me a very fun interview. Uh, we discussed this how he's feeling right now, because usually after this massive meet, where all these different social media sites and these lifting media sites are covering it, and the implications of him challenging Ray and being the potential next best super heavyweight is a lot to deal with. And I had to really get this, you know, <laughs> just some information on how he's doing because it can be uh, a surreal, unique moment for a lot of lifters. And I know he's probably going through it. And we discussed that his uh, beginning as a power lifter, how he got involved in the fitness and powerlifting, and how he transitioned that into the current lifter that we see today. Talk about his um relationship with joey flex the coach client relationship that's important um seems to be a motivational relationship between the two so really interesting conversation there we also discussed his performance him moving up the rankings possibly challenging ray all the other super heavyweights that he has to get through first before he gets to ray he explained it as a video game concept you know like you got to get through the other bosses before you get to the final boss so good analogy there one analogy that i understood and we also discuss his deadlift, a uh, huge deadlift, the one, I mean, the best super heavyweight deadlift we've ever seen. And um, some of the controversy that happened, and we both agree, me and Jesus, that there wasn't much controversy because it was a good lift. And we explain, you know, the uh, so the, the, the controversy of the deadlift, um, if you really could call it that. And, of course, we played Red Light, White Light, and Word Association. So really great interview awesome time with jesus hopefully i could have him on again on some time in person but before we get into the interview got to talk to you guys about leflar bros ladies and gentlemen go to leflar bros go to leflarbros.com go to their instagram page and check out their merchandise give them a follow on instagram because i'm telling you right now they have some big things planned possibly with the guests i have today wink wink nudge nudge you should definitely follow that page and you should use promo code 2wl10 to get yourself some merchandise. Their merchandise, extremely unique, wonderful design. Everything has a meaning relating to strength sports and powerlifting. And I love this stuff. I wear it all the time. I wear it to the gym. You guys know I talk in great length how much I love my baseball tees. But they have so much other merchandise out on the website. And also, they're releasing some great content on the Instagram page. And the team is going to get a little bigger. Again, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Be sure to follow Left Floor Bros and visit their site. Use that promo code 2WL10 to get some stuff. They got two They got two white lights banners over there. That's the only place you can get them, leftfloorbros.com. Two white lights banners. If you got a room, if you got a home gym, if you got anything, if you just want to wear it, wear it as a cape, do it. Wear it as a cape. I don't care. It's going to look great. Save some money. Use promo code 2WL10. Also, go to Rivalist.net. Get your informed toy supplements at Rivalist.net. Remember, we are drug-tested athletes. Most people who come on Two White Lights are in the USAPL. That means we're drug-tested. You got to get that informed choice label. That means you won't be popping any drug tests for a bad pre-workout. You don't have to use that excuse. We took away that excuse. Rivalist takes that, away ex that excuse from you. But remember, that green check mark, that informed choice supplement, is going to be important, especially if you are a drug-free athlete. So go to Rivalist.net, use promo code ANGELO15 and get 15% off of your order. Also, go to lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. 
I only wear Stoic gear out on the platform and in the gym. It is my preferred gear. I wear the singlets, I wear the wrist wraps, and I wear the knee sleeves. And they also just released some white label and green label knee sleeves and wrist wraps. I love them. People love the design. People love the color. And they're, uh, they might be releasing some new colors soon because of the positive feedback we got with the white and green. So use promo code ANGELO10. Save 10% on all of your Stoic Gear merchandise. Also, make sure to follow Notorious Lift on Instagram. Notorious Lift, no slip grip sleep sneak uh slippers i use them after i switch the squat shoes into flats and they are my preferred slipper choice and i use them on bench as well they have so many different designs it looks fantastic no matter what color you choose but they have so many colors that you can choose from if you look good you feel good if you feel good you play good so definitely check on notorious lift but you got to follow that page because that's when they give you information on drops and they just break broken i think a few days ago that they're having gift cards during the holiday season so be sure to follow notorious lift visit the website and make sure you look for those drops because all the designs you got to be sure you're staying up to date with that stuff also follow on spotify we're available there we're available on itunes subscribe on itunes leave a five-star rating those are important and leave a review if you want to say something nice about me those are important as well it helps the podcast grow and that's what we're trying to do also Actually, no more also. This is it. Two white lights. I got with me the very first super heavyweight to come on Two White Lights. We got the young, the talented, the extremely strong, my good friend, Jesus Olivares, also known as Megatron. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Didn't know I was the first super heavy, so I'm a little, feel a little honored right now. You know what? All right, so I think, I think Barzin Faziri would technically be my first super heavy, but he's a bench only multiply guy. So as far as the show dynamic going to like USAPL lifting and IPF lifting, and actually just USPA in general, you're the first like super heavyweight we've had because it's all been you know really a lot of under hundred two hundred uh, under two hundred pound guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say that I'm the first from the two federations that count. Just kidding, man. Don't wanna. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. <laughs> you know, you, you know what? You won't be there. I'm. I'm going to safely assume no fucking multiply lifters listen to two white lights. I think we. I think since episode eighteen, we got way too natty, and way too USAPLE. We're like no multiply guy at first, maybe. But now, fuck no! I don't think any. I don't think any Westside barbell conjugate, uh, good old boy is listening to Toy Lights anymore. There could be. Uh, shout out! Thank you for listening, and make sure you guys subscribe. Won't, won't be won't won't be hurting listeners. But I gotta ask, man. I I, I will do the whole you know how you got started lifting for um at, at a point and you know because I'm I'm curious about your journey because we talk a lot but I never really got to know 
you know, your backstory into how you got into powerlifting. And I'm assuming it's an interesting one because usually when someone has success at an early age, you know, the, the, the journey up to that success is interesting. But since Sunday, the day you competed till now, I could imagine just the amount of emotion you're feeling to be a completely different experience because... I, I don't I actually would say yours is probably at a little bit higher level, but I do know after a big meet and then you know social media pages are reposting you, you're getting all of you know the congratulatory DMs or text messages or even in person from your friends. It can be a lot. So how uh, how you doing? You're just trying to stay as mellow as possible, or what? Because you look pretty fucking relaxed right now. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, man. I'm just trying to pretty much. Stay like I you said as mellow as I can, man. Just because um, my whole shtick is like you know around uh, trying not to be what's the word uh, complacent. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm trying to just kind of put everything aside. You know, I'm really taking my time to recover, uh, get my body ready to start training again. Just because. Uh, uh, the Arnold is next on my schedule, you mm -hmm. know, in June. So I'm like already mentally preparing for like another hard six grueling, another grueling six months of training um, before me. So I'm just kind of taking it like really just one moment at a time, man. I mean, like it's, it's been pretty awesome. I said, you know, like as much as we like to say like, oh, like fuck cloud or fuck this, you know, it does feel good to receive some sort of acknowledgement you know, mm -hmm. especially because I like to think that I'm very quiet, you know, I'm not really outspoken. So for people to start to acknowledge uh, um, me, you know, by simply looking at my body of work, it does feel pretty good. Um, so, you know, man, I'm just taking it one step at a time. Yeah, man, that's a good, uh, that's a good approach to things. And I assume that would be your mindset going into things, just knowing you. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, and I think, and the reason why I said your situation is a little more different is because I look at super heavyweights as the, a very similar to heavyweight division of boxing. You know, like, they're, once you get a good group of heavyweights, the publicity and the attention in boxing goes straight there. You know, right now, I think boxing, like, in the modern history, it's been a lot of the smaller guys, just like USAPL. Like, I think the attention has gone away from the super heavyweights because someone has dominated for such a long time. And now it goes to like the smaller guys because there's more of a competition base. And then when another guy comes along, it's like, Oh, we gotta like, and because, and for good reason, because the difference is you can be deadlifting 750 pounds at 83, like I am, but everyone, no matter who you are in the world, when you hear a 900 pound squat, when you hear a, you know, above 500 bench, people do ap appreciate that number way more. So I would say, like, the eyes would be a little bit more glued to you. I mean, I can't forget about that deadlift, yeah, man, especially because big guys are known for not being the best puller. So mm -hmm. for me to pull 400K out of wherever it came out of, you know, it does. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But yeah, man, I mean, I certainly. And paying attention to like the volume of people just starting to kind of point towards Optimus Prime versus Megatron. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that 
as far as for me, man, it's not really a surprise at all, just because that's always been my goal. Uh, everything that I want to accomplish has always had to go through one person, and that one person has been uh, Ray Williams. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. But before we get into that, now I got to ask, how did you get your start into fitness and, you know, and then how did that transi- transition into powerlifting? Because from my understanding, there was a, you have a quite the athletic background. Okay. All right, man. So uh, I, I was a pretty decent athlete in high school. I tried to stay away from talking just because in my personal experience, because I'm from Odessa, Texas, man. It's a small town in West Texas Yeah. where um, I graduated from Kermit High School. You know, for anyone who's ever seen Friday Night Lights, it's like all they live, breathe, and shit in West Texas. It's Permian football. So... I kind of try to stay away from it, but um, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll go through my high school accolades. So, yeah, man, I played, uh, I was a, I played football for, since I was in seventh grade, up until my sophomore year in college. So, that was, I don't know, sure I was 12, up until I was 20. So, I played football for about eight years. Um, in high school, I was a two-time first-team all-district, uh, I was first team all premium base in my senior year. Um, I qualified for state my junior year high school for powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, I still hold the regional deadlift record for my weight class, uh, which was 275 at the time. Uh, this is back when I was looking a little trimmer. Uh, so it's still holding at 660. Um, and then my senior year, I qualified for state in shot put. So um also in collegiately i did uh i was a d1 athlete at the university of texas san antonio uh, my freshman year i threw a shot and disc and then i played uh, division two football my sophomore year of college mm-hmm. and then i had some uh, falling out with my collegiate coaches and i decided that uh collegiate sports is too much of a business for me to involve myself with considering that uh, you know, just putting my health at risk for a program that didn't believe in me as much as I believed in them was just kind of dumb as fuck. So decided to walk away from college sports, man. And then uh, this is kind of when I started, like, getting into, like, fitness and powerlifting. So just like any typical gym, bro, they all have this first – I feel like a lot of us have this beginning. Um, so I went through this bad breakup about two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I the gym has always been like a, a home for me, you know? Like, it's just, I've always loved training. I've always loved exercising. So I went to the gym, man, after I went through my break. Uh, I was like, I think I, was, I got up to the heaviest I was before powerlifting. I was 330, dropped down to 300. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to be a bodybuilder, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm going to look fucking shredded. I'm going to get all the pigs. <laughs> and then I started, I, I kind of had a bad idea of, like, doing deadlifts and strength training just because I was under that mindset where, oh, if you lift too heavy, you're going to hurt yourself. And, like, I had already experienced chronic back pain from playing football and, like, lifting like a football player for so many years. So I really shied away from doing deadlifts mm-hmm. um, and just like doing heavy squats in general. And then 
around December, January is when I started watching Strongman. So this might be an interesting thing for people, but I was originally going to start in Strongman instead of powerlifting um, because I started off watching like uh, Eddie Hall, uh, Brian Shaw, like Robert Ogers, guys like that. And um, I kind of fell in love with like, or I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save the falling in love part for later, but mm-hmm. uh, it piqued my interest because I'm a very competitive person. So it's like I need to be able to find some sort of outlet where I can like work towards and like compete in something. So then um, I made a commitment at the beginning of like the New Year's resolution, pretty much. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna compete at least in one powerlifting competition. Or one strongman competition before 2020 is over. Mm-hmm. So then I started like doing all this research. I started like uh, following. Um, uh, no, I didn't start watching Russell until later. But uh, I started uh, looking at like, okay, how does this guy train? Um, like Martins, you know, he was doing like, he was like, one of the things he was doing was uh, he would try to do as many sets of three as he could within 20 minutes with like 80 percent and i was like shit you know like this this guy was working for this guy might work for me and like that's pretty much what i would do you know that's just an example and i kind of programmed myself and trained by myself for about uh like seven eight months because i didn't get with joey until like late october Mm -hmm. so i pretty much coached myself from january until late october um, by that point, I had gotten up to like a 725 squat, a 475 bench, and a 765 deadlift by myself. And then around nationals is when I started. That was when I was like legitimately introduced into the USAPL because at that time, I was uh, watching a lot of Russell's videos and he had mentioned Joey. So then I looked up Joey. And I was in the mindset, you know, like I'm, I'm an athlete, you know, I used to play sports, team sports, you know, and I understand the relationship. Um, well, what I think, you know, that's just my personal opinion, like how important the dynamic between athlete and coaches, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, right, look, you, it looks like you and uh, Joe have a pretty good relationship, so I feel like y'all can relate when I say this, but it's just like, you know, you have to be able to trust this individual with the calls they make because, you know, in the business that we're in, like, you know, it's it could be some really heavy detrimental stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. what if Joe thinks you can pull something and you don't, you know, like that's when you can rely on him with that trust and be like, you know what, if you think I can, fuck it, let's load the bar and you live with the consequences after that, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> so then I, like, I reached out to him around before nationals. And then shortly after, I waited a little bit, and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm ready to get this going. And I emailed him back, and I was like, okay, like, I'm ready to start. So then that was that, man. Like, ever – and, like, as far as that, like, that's been history, you know? And then I think that was in October. So then at this point, man, like, I didn't really know the difference between, like, untested, tested, USPA, USAPL. I just knew that, okay, all – the strong natty guys are USAPL. I'm a natty. I want to be the strongest. I want to compete against the best. Let's get it going. Mm-hmm. So then that was kind of my main attraction towards the USAPL. And then 
competed for my first meet in December. I went eight for nine, hit nineteen eighty nine, and then you know 2020s been what it's been for everybody i think it's been a good year for me personally mm-hmm. and um, and we're on the cusp of going into 2021 yeah for sure man so let, let me ask like because uh, you mentioned team sports and you started off in that then you transitioned into powerlifting did you like that transition simply due to the fact that it was an individual sport because i know growing up with team sports and then that's all i knew for a really long time and then once I got into powerlifting, there was like this weight that was off my shoulders that I never thought would be the case. I never thought I would prefer an individual sport over a team sport because, man, only individual sport I've ever watched was boxing and uh, mixed martial arts. And that was it. Everything else, my, my favorite sports were baseball and football and then all the other, you know, major sports. So did you have this feeling of like, you know what, I, I feel a little bit more comfortable in this environment as opposed to the team aspect? Um, I mean, that's a that's honestly a really good question, man. Um, Thank you. Because I played offensive line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I played offensive line, man. So pretty much 24-7, the concept of the team runs through you mm-hmm. was literally ingrained into my head, man. So it was like, as an offensive lineman, it's like the team goes as the offensive line, you know? So it was, you know, I've kind of, I guess, to relate to it, it's just like, the aspects that I can relate to and yeah well I mean I played so I played on the defensive line and it was a a different style like I remember my coaches telling me because I wasn't I wasn't no all district player or anything I was a mediocre ass player and I was lucky to even start my senior year like I had to work on senior year but I remember them telling me like Fortino make sure you don't let the tackle get to our linebacker. I don't give a fuck if you make a sack all goddamn year. You don't have to make a goddamn tackle. Just don't let the tackle get to the linebacker, and you will play. And I'm like, all right, like we don't need no fucking superstar out of Fortino. You're never gonna be one. <laughs> so it's like, so the, so it was like the ultimate team aspect. But then it had like, it was a good way of motivating people in a way. Like this was this was like the last of the generation of like, getting babied by coaches, in a way. Um, I'm not saying that's, like, the right way to do things. I actually think it's, you know, what we're going through now is a little bit better for kids. But I remember just doing that, and it added more pressure to me. I'm like, oh, shit, the whole team, you know, relies on just that. And it's not necessarily making plays and being the guy who's a superstar. It's just doing the dirty work so other guys can do their jobs and win and then once I started getting, and then same thing with baseball. It's like when you made made an error in baseball, it was like, like it, like the emotion of you letting everyone down, like the pitcher who's working his ass off, the fielders who are working their ass off, and you made that error. I'm like, you know, you have, would have that low confidence. But what in powerlifting, it's like, I'm on me right now. Like I have no pressure right now because the only one I'm gonna be disappointing is myself. Like that's it. Um, as soon as you get a coach, and we we talk about that close client relationship later, but I do feel you know a obligation to make my coach happy. But still, it's still a, a, a situation of like this is an individual sport that relies on me, so I'm I'm cool. Like I'm way more calm than I am like in say a football or a baseball setting. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that example because I kind of had to like scramble through my brain a little bit. But that does remind me, like there was a couple of times, man, where I actually played with a concussion. I mean, you're not supposed to. And mm-hmm. like for any high schoolers listening, like if you have a concussion, please don't play with it. Like tell your coaches, like you're not doing anybody any justice. I mean, you're doing yourself an injustice. So like, please don't do this. But I mean, like I played with a couple concussions, man, and there'd be times where they would call like a play to the left and I would like, I think I can think of three specific times where I would step right. And like, I would literally like run into my own tackle or my own center because I would just have like this dumbass moment where I would just be like, ah, I fucked up. <laughs> and then it's just like, Hey, serious, what the fuck are you doing? Like we're supposed to go the other way. And then like, Oh man. Yeah. So I, I guess in that regard, I am very happy that if I mess up, I'm not messing up anybody else except myself. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember that shit, man. Yeah, dude, it was even you know when I played high school, man. I just remember going. I think I had to go into like my my sophomore year of college to kind of take a step back. I think I went to a football game, um, an old high school football game, and I thought I'm like how crazy was our mindset when I was in high school to play under an injury because everyone would everyone want to do what they can because if you got hurt you felt like you were letting the team down and I was thinking like my friends who played on a broken forearm uh my friends who played on a torn labrum played the entire season with a torn labrum that needed surgery and they were 18 years old doing that shit and none of them were going to the NFL None of them were playing D1. Like, two of two guys that I know went D1, and they both went to the NFL. Two of them out of all of us. And they weren't the only guys to play on it. Like, they were, they were fucking up their livelihoods for that, I think, that just overwhelming pressure of you got to rely on the man next to you. There are some positives to that. That's a, that's a good mindset to kind of get instilled. But there's a limit to the extreme of it. And I think powerlifting was an outlet where that was easy, where I didn't have this, you know, I, it's actually in powerlifting, your coach is like, your knee hurts? I mean, good coaches, let me, hashtag, good coaches, let's put the fucking, let's put a parentheses in that, good coaches will tell you, uh, your squat, you can't get depth on your squat because of your knee, dude, cut it, We're, we gotta work on that, we gotta, we gotta get that done, we gotta, so it's like, when you have an injury in powerlifting, the wise thing to do is not lift, and your good coach will tell you, absolutely stop, you're only fucking up your own thing. Um, Occasionally a coach will tell you to, I think they have that high school football coach mentality, a lot of the coaches um, that are, you know, they're not fucking known coaches, they're jabroni coaches, but they will tell you to sack up and tell you to tough through it and try to get the lift in. I think you need to find a good middle ground between that old-school gritty mentality and, like, the, if you fuck yourself up, you're going to have to rehab for three months mentality. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, because I will say, man, like, I, I do remember, like, a lot of the training habits and, like, the intensity and the way that I train, I feel like I've carried since I was in junior high, high school, um, and up until now. But, like, I've had surgeries. I've had to rehab from injuries and I was that kind of opened my eyes you know I'm really glad 
that I broke my foot and broke my wrist before I started powerlifting because it taught me the importance of, you know what, this feels a little funky. Let's just call it a day. We lift it by another day. And that's something important that a lot of athletes and coaches don't comprehend. And like you said, man, they're jabroni coaches, you know, and it's like you're paying somebody to help you be the best you, you can be. And when something seriously hurt and instead of trying to help you, they make it worse, you know, like it's, that, that's just a big clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I, I feel you on that. So like, tell me with your experiences with Joey then, cause you, you, you alluded to a good coach client relationship. How has his coaching really helped you take that next step into powerlifting? Cause again, knowing from experience, running online programs, self coaching yourself into meets like, you can have success, but once I got that coaching, it was it was instant. It was an instant thing where we were experiencing success, and I think it's a pretty similar situation with you. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a, it was. I can I guess we can say that it was a good it was a good uh, dynamic. You know, it was almost instant, like a click. Um, just because, and I mean, like obviously, you're known for shitting on anime people, and I mean, I think you're by all means go ahead, man. Because some of the, I love anime. I was raised on it. I'm not a bandwagon, you know. Like it runs through my family, but whenever you listen to some of those opening songs, man, like it's like, come on, man. Like you really getting hyped to that? Like you know, <laughs> me as an avid anime supporter, bro. I'm watching these videos, and I'm like, uh, you kind of try a little too hard, dude, but a little too hard. who who would have thought i'm serious who would have thought trying to like anime was the way to fit in with the popular kids at any time in their life usually it was like you gotta like a certain rapper you gotta like a certain rock group you gotta like a certain uh like a certain but now it's like we gotta watch the cartoon in order to be with the cool kids in, like, USAPL. It's weird to me. I'm getting old. I know that. I'm older than a lot of kids. That wasn't the case in high school for me. That's not the pop culture change that was, like, happening, where people are like, yeah, we love anime now, and all the cool kids like anime. It was completely different. If you Actually, if you liked more, you know, these, like... It's still equally as lame, in my opinion, like, overly macho shit. Like, I remember, so here was the thing. <laughs> you, know, you know that show Blue Mountain State? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love so, that show. Yeah, see, so when I was in high school, I fucking hated that show. I hated it. I thought it was lame, and all my friends were like, oh, it's so funny. It's like football players, like how we act. I'm like, we don't fucking act like that. What fucking schools are you guys going to? We don't act. So that was the type of shit my friends liked. It was like the macho shit, the, 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 the stuff that added like the more machismo like frat guy shit and i and i would i I was kind of like nah that's not me because fuck i i I know i'm not that way if you like that it's fine but i'm just saying like people have pop culture things so i know and i know we're like i know joey he talked about on the podcast with me he uh you guys you guys found a little connection there with anime when he got uh, the coaching i mean okay so we'll go back to the question so it's like it makes it really easy because a lot of, like, my philosophies, man, it just makes it so much easy to, like, elaborate on and discuss when we can, like, use some of the animes that we watch as references, you know, because I think, like, a good one, you know, Demon Slayer. Um, it's a story about, like, this kid who's trying to save his sister, right? And there's a lot of training that he does in the show, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, um that's shit that i can relate to you know because fuck like you know 
he's training his ass off to get to a goal. I'm training my ass off to get to a goal, you know? So it's moments like that that I like to enjoy and I like to, like, watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, it just... And, like, for example, like, I, I actually got a tattooed on my arm. You know, one of the quotes from the, the, uh, the anime, it's, if you can do one thing, hone it to perfection, hone it to the utmost limit. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's something you can apply in real life. You know, if you're good at one thing, or if you only do one thing, like, why not try to be the best at it, you know? And it's kind of funny because, you know, we're in a sport where we literally just focus on three lifts, you know? So if you're just doing those three lifts, why not try to be the best you possibly can on all three? Yeah. So uh, it's just, you know, things like that. Those are easy parallels to look at. Those are things that you can just discuss and it just, it helps, you know? Yeah. It helps to kind of get away from the monotony of just talking, living, and breathing powerlifting, you know, even though you still kind of are when you're using it as references, but it is like a little bit of a uh, fresh, a uh, bit of pressure, I like to think. Um, so that helped out, uh, you know, like we both, I think that's kind of when we started really clicking together because we were both reading the manga version of Demon Slayer at the same time. So we would like, kind of ask each other like every Saturday like hey man have you read the new chapter have you read the new chapter um and then that that's another part of our relationship and like another one is like our communication is pretty good um you know I like to think that if I want to try something new you know I feel comfortable enough to go ahead and bring it up to him and like we'll discuss it mm-hmm. you know he'll tell me his opinion on his pros and cons and then I'll tell him mine you know like we, we butted heads before you know like we, like, you know, it's really easy to say, like, oh, like, we've never argued, we've never done this, you know, but the reality is, it's like, as an athlete, you know, you should be bringing up and discussing shit that you genuinely want to, you know, even if it's mm-hmm. at the cost of uh, somebody disagreeing with you, you know? So, like, we, we butted heads before, we disagreed on certain things. Uh, like, for example, um, right before quarantine started nationwide um, and I found out that my meet in Cali had been cancelled there was a USPA meet uh, like 30 minutes um, from where I lived and like I was headstrong on signing up for it and he was like dude like they're gonna shut it down you're not gonna get your refund they're gonna keep your money like don't do it and I was just like, no, no, no. Like, I got to get my numbers on. I got to go put, like, all my body of work on a platform. And he was like, dude, like, just please trust me. Like, quarantine is happening everywhere. Like, just please listen to me. And I was like, you know what? Like, I had to, like, genuinely, like, put my phone down, take a breather and be like, you know what? Okay, like, all right, man. Like, this is me honoring you as my coach. All right, not gonna sign up, and then literally, like two days later, that meet was canceled. Everyone who had signed up for it, like, kind of got fucked out of it. Yeah, and it was just like, you know, like it, it was what it was, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's been it's been great, man. Uh, we've had our ups and downs, you know, for sure. I can say, but I mean, I can't really see myself working with anybody else. Yeah, I could. I mean. Just based on, because I remember seeing, I think it was when you, uh, it was during the quarantine, the, the, the competition that you did, and, you know, great total there in 2020. Then, 
I saw you kind of perfect things a little bit. And I was like, all right, looks like him and Joey are meshing well because that's something that it, it's hard to it's hard to prove upon good performances. That's that's a big thing for me as far as like coach and athlete performing consistently off of good performances. You know, it's it's um it's something that's valued in sports a lot. Like, all right, a lot of people can have a really good performance. Is how consistent can you keep that number and make small improvements on that number? You know, we know we're not going to put like 50 keys on our total every single time we get on the platform. We know that as powerlifters, um, very few guys are able to do it. And and then when you get to a point like only a five kilo or 10 kilo improvement is good. But that was one thing I was curious about watching you was like, all right, let's see what happens at this next meet that he does because a lot of momentum built off that first one in 2020 and then you ended 2020 out with a bang. Um, before we get into that, I got to ask, is there like a poser group in the world of anime? A poser group. You know yeah. Because you alluded to it. Now I'm uh, a little curious. I would, like, I, wouldn't, I, don't know, I don't know if I would say like a poser group. Like I don't think there's anybody because i mean I, i'm horrible with names man like if you're not in my personal life like i'm sorry like if i don't talk to somebody on a frequent basis like more than likely like i'm not gonna think twice about you but it's just i don't know man i will i'm not gonna say poser just because i am i guess you could say for anime you know like i think if you're trying to watch something you know give it a shot you know if you don't like it that's fine Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not gonna say. I feel like if I say there's a poser group, that could come off like as uh, me saying that some people should get off the bandwagon or just you know, get out the way. But uh, I don't know, man. I, 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 nobody in particular comes to mind right now. Uh, it could just be my faulty memory. Yeah, I was, I was wondering, based on you know what you said earlier, like you know bandwagon anime guys. I'm like, wait, there's guys who are just like. It's like, nah, you don't really like anime. I can tell your shit. I, I can tell your shit is fake. Like, I'm getting nuanced to anim- anime yeah, through the uh, show. I mean, I like to... <laughs> you know what? A big red flag is when people miss their anime characters and they use them for clout. <laughs> now that you mention it. So, you know what? You, you may be onto something, man. You don't watch anime, but... If you're noticing things like that, that's a little sus. You know what? I think I think there is. There might be a group of people or certain individuals that like to pose for the clout. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine, especially in this sport. Um and uh, and and trying and trying to uh get involved in like the zeitgeist and the zeitgeist in this sport is anime. But all right. So we talked about, you know, you and Joey and you know the improvements you made and 2020 is a weird year as far as meets go. So I got I what compelled you to do that uh, TSS meet um, last Sunday? And when we aired the episode, it would be yeah last Sunday. Like what compelled you to get that meet going? Because there's right now kind of a strategy going on, and like you know what, like you don't need to compete before the year is over. You can kind of hold it back a little bit and still because really you're not. People don't, people don't know what's next. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no guarantees what's next. There's always a guarantee every year around this time. It's like, all right, well, the Arnold is supposed to be the next meet. 
Nationals is in October. You qualify for Nationals, you maybe put an extra meet to see if you can squeeze out prime time. If you can't squeeze out prime time, just stay fresh. Um, and then after Nationals, you get you know the Arnold, and then after the Arnold, maybe the Worlds uh, too. So what compelled you to do this one in particular? Um, I think uh, I'm going to say it was a little bit of ego and mm. a little bit of the possibility of the nation going back into quarantine. Mm. Um, because I was originally going to hold off until the Arnold. I was just going to like train for almost a year and not compete. Uh, this was my brother's first competition. You know, we got into a bit of a uh, disagreement when I told him I wanted to sign up just because I had told him whenever he was going to sign up, I was like, hey, man, like I'm going to just not compete. I'm going to 100% focus on writing your stuff. On you know just trying to help you out, get you the best uh, performance that we possibly can. But um, I think it's because I came so close to hitting a thousand back in late June that it was just left a really sour taste in my mouth, man. Like mm-hmm. literally, like as soon as I like that, like that was like the most bittersweet meat I've had. You know, it was missed my last pool on a technicality. And went eight for nine, finished 15 key short. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you know, it kind of let, like, and it's just, it's part of being a competitor, man. But like these last couple miles, like, I just noticed that all these super heavyweights were like putting this little hashtag on their posts, like, hashtag thousand kilograms on my mind, hashtag like thousand kilograms pathway, whatever the fuck, you know. And it's just like, you know what? Like, I mean, no offense, you know, because some of these people, for example, like Derek Gary, you know, got to meet him. He's a badass dude. Respect the fuck out of him. Um, but, like, as a competitor, you know, like, that edged me on. You know, and I tried to hold it off. I was like, you know what, he's like, don't do it. It's not worth it. And then I just kept seeing, like, more and more super heavies, man, like, putting, like, a thousand kilograms. And it was just like, you know what, like, I got to put this to rest, man. I got to be the first one. I got to beat them to it. And... I told Joey, like, hey, man, this meets five uh, five weeks out. Like, let's fucking go for it. And he was like, you know what, man? Like, I don't see why we shouldn't. Like, let's mm-hmm. just go ahead and do it. Like, how do you feel? And I was like, I feel good. Good enough to compete. Because at that time, I was also uh, nursing, like, uh, my shoulder and my bicep. Because I had switched back to high bar. Because I tried learning low bar. And I, like, messed everything up. So he was like, okay, like if we're going to do this, we need to key down on your training. We need to go back to the technique that we were working on. And nothing's changing after that. I was like, okay, good enough for me. So then I signed up, man. And then, like, it was just, I felt like there was a lot on the line for me because, from my perspective, man, is I'm a heavier lifter, so I might never be number one on the IPF due to points, whatever. You know, that's a discussion for another day. Mm-hmm. But to be the best, I feel like the best and my only route to the top is through my legacy and my accolades. And after witnessing Taylor's performance and Ashley's performance, all historical, all arguably the best of 2020, it kind of, like, I could feel the pressure building. And it was like, you know what, man? Like, I have to come out here and I have to show everybody, like, what I'm about, you know? So that was, like, my entire mentality coming into it, you know? So it was, like, a little bit of ego. Well, actually, probably a lot, you know, more than I like to admit. Mm-hmm. And it was the fear of 
having to not compete for who knows how long, you know, because um, everything with the presidential thing is about to switch over. So we don't know what 2021 is going to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, could be in a lockdown. Maybe the vaccine comes out, solves everything. But it's just like a big question mark. And I knew that I had a window of opportunity to go in, do what I wanted to do, and end the year in a good note. Yeah. So it was just kind of a mixture of all those things. And I just, you know, signed up, competed, and like, you know, now we're here. Yeah. And I I remember when you tell you were telling us that you were signing up for that meet. And I was like, um, you know, five weeks out. Because me, like, personally... I want to do that. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a very, I keep it close to the chest a lot and I have my plan and five weeks out, like, I mean, I had to, that, uh, that meet, uh, down in Texas, the, uh, uh, the, the, what is, is that another Texas train system meets yeah, the one in February? Yeah. yeah. So that one, I was yeah. like, I have to start my prep. I know today or like next week. And I'm like, that's yeah. not enough time. Like shit. Like I can't really, can't really commit for, I know it'll have been like 12 weeks out because normally like preps are like 13 to 12 weeks. Um, and then we would have to reroute everything. And I just know like five weeks is like a definite no go. But in your case, when he said that, I'm like, you know what? It's December. He's competed in 2020 only once. It was a while ago. It was when things were opening up. So, you know, it was a longer time. Like December isn't a terrible time to compete again. Like, it's actually a solid time to put in your one at maxes. And I'm like, you know, I think this could work for him. But then the meet happens, and it was a perfect, in my opinion, I, I I don't know if you, like, are a super critical guy or not with your performance, because I do sometimes critique my own 9 for 9 performances. It was a perfect meet, in my opinion, where everything was called perfectly. Everything, every lift was done beautifully. Every lift was done with maybe a few kilos to spare, which I think is that sweet spot that you want to be at, because you're always building momentum. You know, you're not, Ray Williams isn't there that day. I mean, like, it, he's like, you don't want to RP 11 or squat and grind it out for 15 seconds when Ray Williams isn't there when you could tend to take maybe something five kilos lower and build that momentum. And you did that. And, it, but also, you hit that goal too. You hit that goal of a thousand kilos and it all, just wrapped into like I think this perfect balance of enough ego but enough hard work and enough wits to go and do that and yeah man I, you definitely made the right decision because you didn't kill yourself this me like I don't know you see I mean I, you could be feeling a whole lot of different things like with your body and stuff but from what it looked like I know those meets where you just kind of kill every single lift and you feel good the next day because how easy that shit was. And it looked it looked easy for you, man. I'm not going to lie. Like, everything looked done perfectly to a T. So, let's talk about the performance then. Like, what? Oh, so, no, I'm glad you brought up, like, the super critical thing. Because I actually graded myself a 95, you know, an A, not an A+. Plus, just because yeah. I didn't get 27 flight lights. I got 25. So well, I can't really give myself that hundred. Well, here, but here's the thing where I will disagree with you. And you know what? I think that's a fair grade. 95 is still excellence. Like, I don't think I'll ever get a hundred unless I like beat Russ on a nine for nine day. And like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like Ashton Rouska, Taylor Atwood, those are A plus performances. You know what I mean? Like the numbers they hit were so, even though Ashton missed lifts, like that's like an A plus performance. Um, Atwood 
definitely is an A plus performance. Man, you know what? You know, Ashton has, gets. You know, I'm gonna give him a 97. Fuck it, just because I like. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. This is mine. Yeah, I know. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna poke him a little bit because I know, like, if I say some shit and then like record and like send it to him, it's gonna motivate him to do like something ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, Ashton, you got like a nine. Actually, you got a 94. A point lower than Jesus. You're no longer the strongest guy in FCAT. So, <laughs> so, but like, yeah, like, not, like uh, I would say if you're gonna go on that like little grading system that you have, like, at was the only hundred and ninety five is perfectly appropriate. But you gotta you gotta love a ninety five. You gotta love an A. And, uh, but with that deadlift, you didn't get twenty seven white lights, but you got three white lights on your last one. And you got a red light on the second one, so that means you approved upon something that was either lacking on the second one. Personally, from what I was looking at, it wouldn't have red lighted you, but, I mean, it's not like a big deal or anything, because um, you got the lift. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say maybe give yourself a 96 or a 97, simply due to the fact that you redeemed yourself on the third and got your three white lights on the harder lift. That That's fair enough. And I will say that that ref who red-lighted me on my second attempt was also the ref who red-lighted me on my second attempt squat. So it was the same guy. I don't know if that's coincidence or not. <laughs> well, you know, dude, you know what? Actually, I'm not accusing this because I know I know the referee system over there was pretty tight. And actually, we'll talk about that a little bit later because I, I actually have like an opinion on that um, just due to what I've known has been said after the meet. But, dude, seriously, one meet I done APF <laughs> this one guy like everyone on their deadlifts was getting a red light like everyone on deadlift Jeez. openers and it was an APF meet it wasn't a USAPL meet like fucking APF is known for maybe a little bit of a lenient judging you know what I'm saying so like red light after red light you know my third attempt deadlift this is the first time I pulled 700 in comp my th I got a red light and I looked I looked at the thing, and this is seriously like a number I never thought I'd hit in my life, 700. And it was a while ago, too. I looked up at the screen to see if I got red light, and I saw a red light, and I looked at the judge. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, where did I get a red light from? And, like, didn't even acknowledge, like, the 700 pounds that I pulled. Turns out he was accidentally hitting the red light the entire day. <laughs> he was... Because everyone was like... Why is that lift getting red light? Not my lift. Like, everyone else is, like, they're just really, they're, like, openers and shit. Like, it was getting red lights. And everyone was like, what the fuck? That can't be a red light. And then it turned out he was apparently hitting the wrong fucking light. So I know that wasn't the case with you guys. I mean, I know down, especially in Texas, like, those uh, referee crews are, you know, pretty tight. But so with your performance, you know, thinking ahead to the future, I know the big story is Ray Williams you know, is the, you know, the battle in the super heavyweights. And there's actually a battle now. I would say, um, uh, country strong, big Trey. He, yeah. he was, he, he definitely put himself on, you know, Ray's radar with his performance at raw nationals, you know, losing on two and a half kilos, him being young, being in the same situation as you. I know right now, I think he's battling some injuries. Um, and, like, he's got a longer way to come up, and so now you're the guy. But there's a battle now, you know what I mean? Like, when yeah. Trey gets his shit together, you know it's going to be a fucking... He's, he could he could put together a great meet. We already yeah, know I'm what you can do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, ex I'm pretty much expecting Trey to show up with 2,400 at uh, Raw Nationals just because, like, he his 900 squat back in last March, uh, his recent 
600 bench, you know, like, yeah, it was touch and go, but there's no reason why he can get a little bit stronger, pause it, and then smoke it, like, eight, what, what are we, December, so October's, what, two months, right? Yeah, about that, yeah. Yeah, so there's no reason why he shouldn't hit that in comp, you know, with 10 months of training after hitting it the way he did, so it's like, I'm expecting him to kind of come out, you know, I'll, I'll say high 900s, low 1000s, with a high five, low six bench, and go probably pull around high seven, low eight. So I know for sure, like I am not sleeping on anybody in my weight class, man. Like I pay attention to everybody. I like to know where they're at. And I'll even go as far to say that I'm anticipating them to make as much progress as I am, if not more. So that way I'm like prepared for as many possibilities as I possibly can. So it's like, for sure, man. Train for sure. Like that dude's a beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, but but then how 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 does it? I gotta like because this is something that no one really in powerlifting is able to say. How does it feel to be in that same contention where people are now focusing on the super heavyweights, not just to see Ray Williams squat? Because I attending Raw Nationals in twenty nineteen. There was two moments uh, that stuck out as far as like a surreal moment. It was when Russ almost bombed because the whole fucking room was like on pins and needles, like waiting for like his third squat. Uh, Flex even said it was the most nerve wracking experience of his powerlifting coaching career is hoping is, is coaching Russ to not bomb out at Raw Nats. And when Ray Williams was about to squat at Raw Nationals. There was a moment because you knew right at the moment where he was hitting his opener, everyone there was just there to see Ray Williams squat. There were some great things going on, you know, with all the other competitors, but Ray was the guy they came to see. And that was the show. But now the show is going to be, can Ray lose? Can these people from, you know, can, can these young guys in the USAPL and the Super Heavyweight Division beat Ray? So what's what's that feeling like? Because it's not not the most common one. Um, I would say, man, that I've been preparing for this moment since uh, I decided to compete in the USAPL, man. Mm-hmm. Just because this has always been my goal. This has always been the direction that I wanted to go in. And I knew that to accomplish, man, what I wanted to, it was just going to have to go through A. So that was like, so I guess we'll start at the beginning, man. So after my first meet, I hit 1989. That gave me the third highest junior total at the time. So at the moment, December 2019, I was ranked third on the junior list in America. Or in the world, actually. So number three junior in the world um, in the IPFGCPL. So my first target to meet, to match, and surpass was Joe Payton. So... He so like I kind of look at this like as a video game, you know, like you gotta go to from base one to base two, and then in between base two and base three, there's like a little boss battle, you know. So I guess you could say like first boss was Joe Payton. I'd have surpassed him, you know, all respect to him and whatnot, you know. Uh, his squat record's not looking too safe right now, but uh, and then uh, after that, it was just pretty much making up the gap between me 
and the second and third place open guys, which happened happened to be uh, Trey and Derek Dowry. You know, they competed, I think, and no, Trey competed in the Arnold, which was in March, right before quarantine, and I think Derek competed like a week before or like the same weekend, but at a local. Mm-hmm. They both hit 955, so 2105. So they were both tied for uh, the biggest total at the in the IPF at the moment. So then at this point, I'm watching it. I'm like, okay, like I gotta keep closing the gap. You know, the gap had always been between me and Ray in my mind. So you know, just gotta keep stacking the chips. Gotta keep that uh, making up the the grinding kilos, right? So then. My meet in late June totaled my uh, 2171, surpassed Derek, surpassed uh, Trey at the time. And it was like, okay, like now I've done step A, I've done step B. Now I have to finish on step C, you know? So, like, it's always been in my mind. It's so, it's like for me, man, like, this is what I work for, you know, this is what I train for in mind every day. Like, it's just unavoidable. It is what it is. Um and you know, man, I'll I'll be ready. I'll be. I mean, you 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 would want to say that you're ready, but I feel like you'll you're never really ready for a moment. You're just as ready as you possibly can. Like it's kind of mm-hmm. like it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense to me. Um, so it's just about being as prepared as I possibly can for that matchup because I mean it's not gonna be easy. Like people can say all they want, like oh, like. You're getting so close to being red. Like, I didn't think this was possible, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, man, like, I'm expecting Ray to be at his best. You know, he might not be. He might never reach that. But I need to expect him to be at his best when I know we're going to cross paths. So that's kind of the trajectory point that I'm trying to match. Um, so, like, if we were to compete right now and I had my best performance and he had his best performance, he still roasts my ass by 57 kilograms. That's mm-hmm. an ass whooping, dude. That's an embarrassment, you know? So, I'm just gonna have another six months, man, for the Arnold. I don't know if he's gonna do that meet. Uh, he might, you know? So, that might be our first uh, head to head. And if not that, the Nationals, you know, but I have at the very least six months to make up as much more ground as I possibly can, you know? So, it's just. Like yeah, I mean, I guess I'm looking at it from my perspective. But if I were to like take a step back, you know, then yeah, it's like oh shit, like it's cool, you know, because Ray is a pioneer, you know, in my opinion, first man to squat a thousand, you know, in the drug tested federation. Um, his sleeve squat is something that even class. I mean, we're all with rap guys try to hit and they can't, you no. know. Like Ray is an amazing per, like he's an amazing lifter. You know, I don't know him personally. But, I mean, his body of work speaks for itself, you know. He's done what he's done. He's won, I don't know, like four or five world titles, you know, like X amount of national titles. He has the sleep total record for a tested lifter, you know, something that I'm working for myself. And um, so it's just, in my, my from my perspective, it's not, nothing's really changed, man. It's all been the same just because that's always been my goal. So it's more and less, well, it's actually just more of it becoming a more realistic thing, you know, because whenever you first start, man, and you're looking at it, 1989 compared to 2,400, that's 500 pounds. Yeah. That's a fucking, 
abyss of separation, you know. So yeah. it's just been chipping at it little by little and getting closer and getting closer, man. So it's just, I feel like I can't give myself too much of an opportunity to stop and smell the flowers because if I do, then like I'm going to miss the opportunity that I have. So I just have to keep working, you know. I'll, I'll get to smell the flowers when I do, uh, when I walk the talk, you know. So, but I mean, it's been, it's cool. I'll, I'll say it's cool. It's been cool. Yeah, I mean, when you really, I guess the conversation right now would be a lot different if it was, say, 2019 or 2018. Because I think, and I've mentioned this on prior episodes of Two White Lights, where powerlifting is flooded, I mean, all sports are, is recency bias. Like, it's, what have you done lately? What have this lifter done lately? And now, I think the attention's on Atwood, is on Russ, it's on... Um, it's on Ashton, it's all those guys, but you can't tell me that Ray Williams is not the face of the USAPL. Like, you really still can't tell me that. Like, he is still the face of the USAPL. Russ, Russ Orhe, the guy who many would consider the face of the USAPL, says that Ray Williams is the face of the USAPL. Like, that's, and he is, he has all the things that Atwood does, right? Those crazy accolades, Multiple-time national uh, champion, won the Arnold, has these crazy, you know, was on Sports Center, you know, made the top ten plays at thousand pound squat. Um, he's done all the, and he's got the records too. He's got everything to show for it. And I think in a situation, yeah. By the way, I forgot about Derek Dowdy, a really awesome, awesome lifter, an awesome dude too. Hopefully, I could have him on the show sometime. But now you have guys like coming up. It is, it is a massive news. It is a massive story in the world of powerlifting. So. I, I would say you're handling it one the way I would assume you would handle it because just talking to you, you're never too hyped about things. But at the same time, you're extremely dedicated and driven and kind of stoic about it too. Um, where it makes me more confident that you're gonna uh, you're gonna accomplish your goals because you're not really doing the whole Instagram I'm gonna do this kind of shit thing. You're just saying that you are, but not in a really obnoxious way if you will um but you're and but you're always but you're always talking but it's different because you're always talking about it you're always like you're always thinking about it you're not dwelling on yo check this shit out that i just did today you're pretty in the pocket hate to keep on using cliches but you're in the pocket (laughs) um on how you on how you handle yourself because you can't you can't easily do that you know what I mean? You can easily be the guy who is calling out Ray Williams and doing all these things that you're going to do. It's like, yo, my next meet is going to be a reckoning or some, you know, you know, cliche. I mean, I guess that on top of that, man, like, it can be very easy to look at it and be like, oh, shit, I'm about to compete against who most people consider the GOAT or one of the GOATs, you know, but in reality, when it comes down to it, it's not going to be, I mean, it it is, you know, but it's just, this is, I guess, kind of like a way of me simplifying everything that's going on in a manner that I can digest and continue going about my day. Just because, like, you don't want to make any moment too big, but you don't want to make it too small. Mm -hmm. And that's the same for people like you don't want to make people too big but you also don't want to make them too small to where you disrespect them yeah you know 
So it's like, to me, man, like, Ray has done a lot of shit. And I am no, and I'm, and a lot of people are considering him out, but I'm not one of those people, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that would be the dumbest thing I could possibly do right now is to say, I'm going to win, I'm going to win by a line. So that's a fucking line, man. I'm expecting it to be like down to the last pool. Like that's what I'm preparing for mentally. You know, I am, I acknowledge Ray for the presence he is. And I understand the level of commitment and dedication that it's going to take out of me to go out there and like take away that title from him because he's going to fight for that, man. He's not, it's not going to be a, Hey man, like I'm done with this. Like, here, it's your turn now. Like, no man, like Ray lives for this stuff too. You know, uh, at least I think he does, you know, just based off what I've seen, mm-hmm. uh, the way he works, you know, just the level of just the length he's gone to do what he's done. So I don't know, man, but at the same time, it's like, you know, he's just a man, you know, he's yeah. just like me, you know, he bleeds just like me. He sweats. He puts work in, you know, he's, he's got a family, you know, he's, he's got a reason for doing what he does, you know, and so do I. So when it comes down to it, you know, I don't think there's that much difference between us. Mm-hmm. So it's like, shit, man, somebody, you know, if people are bound to win and lose, you know, people are bound to beat so-and-so. So it's like, why not me? Why can't it be me, the person who beats them? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. And I'm really looking forward to that. Hopefully it does, because June, June's going to be a confusing thing because I think you have to compete in a certain time frame, and I just don't know if Ray Williams is competing anytime soon. So that's yeah. like, like I I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think the deadline or something is like March. I don't know what, or the end of March or something, where like you could put, because you got to cut it off at some time to compete for, you know, um, the well no for for june because like raw nationals like of course you know if you're looking october but june could be that meet too for the top 10 guys in each weight class but it's like i i'm still not getting any word on when the deadline or like a true spoken statement like okay the deadline to hit for the arnold that could be happening in june is this is this date you know what i mean so you would have to qualify at a certain time so it'd have to be I, I would say relatively soon possibly in the next three months it would make sense for it to be the next three months because if you're doing it like if you're sending it till may it's like well fucking you know people aren't going to compete in may and june right after that and shit so even in april it's like april to june is a pretty quick turnaround so i don't i don't know how exactly that's working but raw nationals you know you could bet on i mean he will he will be there. Ray Williams will be at Raw Nationals if it isn't the Arnold. But I'm hoping as a spectator that it's June. I'm just I'm just I'm just praying that that's the case. I'm hoping everyone, you know, top ten is you know, the big names are gonna be there because I think powerlifting really needs it right now. So going going back to your performance, I know I've been seeing this a lot and I actually had a friend DM me who was um one of your, one of the referees at the uh, meet was your last deadlift. So you slammed the shit out of that way. You didn't throw it. There's a difference. You slammed it. You didn't drop it. Taylor Atwood, this is a per now this is a thing I had to take a lot of heat for. And I was prepared for it because I called out Trevor Jaffe and calling his lift a not white light lift at the power surge. And the same fucking weekend, Taylor Atwood drops his deadlift and I had to justify it just by saying 
I don't give a shit that he dropped his deadlift. It was a deadlift and it was amazing. Like, I, I'm like, by rule, yes, you should redline him, but I don't give a shit. Like, I'm wrong, in my opinion, and I don't care because that was awesome. You, on the other hand, what people aren't understanding is you didn't drop the weight. You slammed the weight um, in a moment of, I'm assuming, excitement and accomplishment. And people have, I haven't seen the comments, which I have no ignored, but here's, here's a good thing I have been seeing. I've been seeing uh, a lot of, like, referees justifying it, like, justifying their decisions. Yeah. And, like, I think powerlifting needs more of that. Like, saying, no, this is a good lift, and here's why. Like, it was a clean lift. Uh, shout out to my uh, buddy Caleb. Caleb, um, you know, uh. A, a spotter extraordinaire and a good friend of mine he got on instagram and was like no it was a good lift and you don't see a whole lot of referees going on instagram saying like no this is why i white lighted the lift so like when you see comments like that are you just like man like do you do you care or it's like man shut the fuck up are you talking about mr sordo yeah Instagram? caleb yeah man that's he's the guy who red lighted me bro he gave me my two red lights yo he's strict He's I strict. fucking laughed, bro. At the end of this, I saw it too, man. I haven't like talked to him since then, but whenever he said "trust me," I was watching very carefully. I fucking laughed, bro, because he was, dude. Like he was just like eyeing me the whole time, making sure that I was like hitting pe death. Pe and like <laughs> people call Garrett Fear the red light, like police. I think Caleb is the red light police. We always talk about certain lifts. Like, yo, what do you think about this one? And he's more strict than me, and I'm pretty strict, and I think he's more strict than Garrett if they ever had a conversation about it. He is strict. I do disagree him on times, but he had the balls to go on Instagram being like, that was a perfectly executed deadlift, and I shouldn't have to defend it. It was it was a good deadlift. I'm like, we need more referees to do that on their white lights, especially at the ones at these backyard meets that you know for a fact shouldn't be getting white lights. And we need them to get on the thing like, oh, here's like, um, like Mike Pereira on like uh, Fox News or like not Fox News, uh, Fox Sports, where they have like, so Mike, what do you think? Was this, uh, was this pass interference? Yeah. According to the rule book, Jim, uh, like he did push off at the very last moment. That is by rule of pass interference. We need like USAPL judges to be like, no, this is where, you know, uh, Jesus's deadlift counted and this is according to the rule book this is why it was a white light so that like but at the same time like are you reading those comments and being like man just don't don't try to take this away from me yeah i mean i did read some of them uh a lot of people were disputing like oh like the usapl is getting sloppy like this shouldn't have counted but i mean bro that was the first 400 kilogram deadlift in usapl history man like i'm not gonna lie when I locked that hole out, dude, I was like, I just did this, man. So it was like, as soon as I got that down command, dude, it was just like, boof. Yeah. And it was, I don't know, man. That, I would say that 400 kilo deadlift was probably my favorite lift out of the entire meat, man. Just because for, it's like, no one's ever done it, bro. Yeah. No one ever, you know? And like, I know... You know, we're in a group chat with Ashton, you know, like me and him have like a little side discussion, not a discussion, but a little side competition of who's going to be the first to pull nine or who's going to be the first to pull four in comp, 400K keys, and then who's going to be the first to pull like break the 900 barrier. And like, 
I thought he was going to do it in his last scene, you know, because his deadlifts were progressing while mine were, like, regressing because I was figuring out some grip issues and, like, some technical things. So, like, I had already committed, like, I was like, you know, fuck it. Actually, going to beat me on this. I'm just going to have to, like, try to one-up him to, like, nine something next time. And then for him to miss uh, 390 on the grip technicality, like, that was, like, oh, <laughs> I guess I guess uh, our little competition is not over yet. So then I pulled, uh, I actually matched his second on my second. So he pulled 843 and I pulled 843 because I was like, you know what? In case I don't get 400, I'll at least match his deadlift and we would both have the biggest deadlift for 2020. And then just like I pulled it, man, it felt like snappy. Um, the reason why Caleb redlighted me on that, he said it's because the bar came away from my shin because like when I got down, my leg kind of like bumped into the bar and it rolled forward, but I still managed to lock it out. Um, I don't know if that's a thing or not, but he redlighted me. It's, uh, I think he would qualify as up and down. I think that would be the reason why, but I like again, he's a he is a strict referee. Like I I would because on your last deadlift, I was looking. I'm like, no, I would I would uh, say that that was a you know a pretty well executed deadlift. But then your third one, he's like, that's the most well executed deadlift I've seen of the day, and it was the heaviest one, and it was the craziest one, and it was the one that had the most controversy, which is crazy. So it's like. I guess at a standpoint of like a USAPL person, like I am, and I'm, you know, becoming that elitist where people are saying USAPL is becoming sloppy. It's like, see, this is the thing. You only see the fucking third attempts from people. You didn't see Jesus get red lighted on his second attempt. It's like, he got, he got a red light there. Um, yeah. And Caleb always brings up, cause he was on the, uh, he was on the spotting and loading crew when I missed my deadlift at raw nationals. And, he he was one of the only people on the internet who was like, yeah, that was a red light. Because <laughs> everyone was like, oh, he locked it out. What's the thing? And I was one of them being like, no, I didn't lock it out. I know what a lockout is. I didn't lock it out. And he was like, nope, he lo- didn't lock out. And people thought that he was hating. But it was, no, it's like, he's, he's a really good friend of mine. It's like, we're actually, he's agreeing with me because I'm the one I said it wasn't locked out. But he's like, yeah, it's like when you look at, deadlifts like he's going to he's going to red light people but when i see like people comment the usapl is getting sloppy i'm like man shut the fuck up you're just looking for some you're just looking for some shit to complain about so you could you know promote your fucking federation as the same <laughs> same goddamn problems and and if i'm being real probably much worse as far as refereeing goes because that, that uspa they constantly talk about how they perfected the art of refereeing i'm like oh, i've been to uspa me it's i know you fucking haven't it's not true Yeah, that's that's actually why I decided to post another recap with all nine lifts uh, was because you could see from different angles. Like, I think you could see my depth a lot better on my new post. Um, And then you could see a little bit different on, like, my deadlift angle just because, like, I was like, you know what, man? I should just watch the whole thing and then y'all can decide which I wanted after that. But... Yeah, man. I don't. I mean, I don't know what they're trying to gain. I mean, like those were national refs, and I think one of the refs uh, DM'd me. Uh, I think it was Sunday night or Monday, 
And he told me, he was like, hey, man, like, I just want you to know, like, don't worry about this lid being revoked or anything. Like, I'm actually an IPF rep. The other rep on my opposing side was an IPF rep. We literally both DM'd and sent the video to, like, this chairman in South Africa. And he congratulated you and said that this was no reason to rewrite a lid. It's like the IPF, like, the freaking strictest possible judging known to powerlifting. Especially towards Americans. Especially towards Americans. Like, who are these, you know, nobodies? Cabronies. Cabronies. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm still a little shook, man, just because, like, I like to hit numbers in comp that I've hit in training before. So to load 400 in the manner that I did, uh, considering that my heaviest deadlift prior to that was uh, my 390.5 kg, um, it was just like, I, I don't even know, man. Like, that was just like a, like, I, I, I don't know, man. That, that was just like, I really don't know how to explain it, dude. Like, I'm still a little, like, lost for words. Just considering, like, so many people have tried. So many people are, like, still on the hunt for 400 kilo deadlift. You know, it's like a fucking magical number. Um, and it was just, like, the manner that I did it, man. Like, I just felt, I felt like I could have pulled anything off the ground that day, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, man, it was a beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful deadlifts I've seen in 2020. And uh, it was uh, for a, for a deadlift uh, at a super heavyweight. It was probably the best. I mean, actually, it was the best deadlift I've ever seen a super heavyweight because done easy, and it was a shit ton of weight, and it was done so technically sound. I don't know, it was great. It was it was a pleasure to watch that meet. Hyped to see that meet. Nine for nine. Excited to see what you do next. Um, and I know you're gonna put your head to the grindstone and keep working. So. I'm going to end the interview off with a little game called Red Light, White Light. Or White Light, Red Light. Yeah, it's called White Light, Red Light. I just flipped it for no fucking reason. It's called White Light, Red Light. So I'm going to give you a topic or a word, typically just a word, and you're going to white light it, saying it's good, or red light it, saying it's bad. Um, you can be like Mr. Sordo and red light the shit out of everything and be strict as fuck. So um, just joking, Caleb. I know you love me. Uh, all right, so... USAPL. White light. IPF. White light. USPA. Oh, give him a white light. Okay. Squat. White light. Bench. White light. Deadlift. Three white lights. Oh, is that your favorite lift? You know what, man? I'll go ahead and say it is. Just because it's like... Who doesn't love seeing a big deadlift, man? Yeah. I say it's the home run. It's the home run of powerlifting, in my opinion. Like, the yeah, big deadlifters just... are home run hitters. Like, you don't have to have a great yeah. batting average. But if you get hit the ball over the fucking fence. Yeah, especially for my weight class, man. Like, it's like my saving grace. Like, yeah, my squatting my bench or, like, getting up there. But, like, really, deadlifts is where I make up my most ground. Just mm-hmm. because, like, everywhere, almost, like, I'm pretty sure, like, Derek squatted nine. Ray obviously squats over a 1,000. Um, pretty much everyone's benching over five, you know, but not really a lot of super heavies are, like, pulling over eight. So to be able to pull almost 100 pounds over that, man, like, that's just, it's like my it's like my bread and butter, man. Nice, nice. Well done, Stakes. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, red light, man. Nope. No shit. I mean, who wouldn't red light a well done steak? Am I right? Mm, I mean, we know an individual. I love you, Aubrey. Just fucking with you. But yeah, seriously, if you guys cook your steaks well done, you might as well just never eat beef again. And be vegetarian. Just your entire life. Or just never eat anything close to red meat that has any sort of blood in it. But red lighting, well done steaks. All right. Word association. I'm going to give you a word or topic, and you're going to give me um, a phrase that comes to mind or the very first thing of you, th uh, very first thing you think of. Ray Williams. Number one. Big country tray. Number two. Derek Dowry. Number three. F Cat. The homies. The homies for sure, man. And I'm glad I had one of the homies on the show today. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, this has been a great podcast. I had a fun time. I'm glad you came on. It's been a long time coming. I had to wait. Timing is everything in the podcast business, and I think the timing was just right. I don't want to yes, interview sir. you like seven weeks ago while we're just like kind of sitting bullshitting around, even though it would have been a really interesting <laughs> podcast. Oh, for sure. But, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. You're welcome on any time. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. No problem. Good luck at your next meet, whenever that is. Um, I'm I'm pretty confident um, the Arnold in June is going to be our next meet. So um, hopefully hopefully I can see you there, man. Do some work. Yes, sir. Ooh, and a little after celebration. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah we got we to gotta get we gotta get the meeting. We got to get a meeting of FCAT soon. I'm, I'm really upset that February is just not a good month for me. I was really, I have FOMO thinking about it just now. I'm getting the shakes because I would love to compete at that meet in Texas. I, yeah, just February doesn't work. March does. Like if it was, if it was actually two weeks later, that meet, oh no, two weeks earlier, that meet would have been great. It would have worked, but um, yeah, can't, can't do it. And it's going to, it's gonna, just gonna delay our, us us meeting the 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 sect that's in Illinois, the sect that's in Texas, all meeting together for for one. So, yes, sir. All right, man. Well, I'm gonna let you enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you for coming on Two White Lights. Peace. Yes, sir. What's going on, boys and girls? 